Although Alice and Abraham Simpkins worked for a tech company where gender equality never came up as an issue, she did see the gaps elsewhere. It was more daunting when I went to conferences, and I think that's what got me really passionate about now promoting women in technology, because you go to conferences, and I'm going back to the early, even mid-2000s, 2011, I remember going to a lot of different conferences, and at, there was maybe a handful of women there, So, and there was not a single woman on stage, that's for sure. So it was kind of daunting, a little bit uh, intimidating. And so you felt like only a very small amount of us were kind of representative. Allison, who is now the Senior Vice President for North America and Managing Director of Toronto for high-tech company Valtech, is passionate about attracting more women to the industry, pointing to a program run by her company. Tech Girl is bringing 10 to 11-year-olds into our offices, um, about 20 of them, just so they can have some hands-on hands on, um mentorship. And we teach them things like Scratch and HTML, and they create a site, they create a blog, and it really just is meant to expose them to technology and programming and open their eyes to just something new that they might not be getting in the curriculum at school. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Allison tells us how mentorship has played a vital role in getting her where she is today, and her belief that changing the stats on women in the tech field will require the help and support of men as well as women. Allison Abraham Simpkins on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Although Allison Abraham Simpkins worked for a tech company where gender equality never came up as an issue, she did see the gaps elsewhere. It was more daunting when I went to conferences. And I think that's what got me really passionate about now promoting women in technology, because you go to conferences and I'm going back to the early, even mid 2000s, 2011. I remember going to a lot of different conferences and at, there was maybe a handful of women there. So, and there was not a single woman on stage, that's for sure. So it was kind of daunting, a little bit uh, intimidating. And so you felt like only a very small amount of us were kind of representative. Allison, who is now the Senior Vice President for North America and Managing Director of Toronto for high-tech company Valtech, is passionate about attracting more women to the industry, pointing to a program run by her company. Tech Girl is bringing 10 to 11-year-olds into our offices, um, about 20 of them, just so they can have some hand on, hands-on um mentorship. And we teach them things like Scratch and HTML, and they create a site, they create a blog, and it really just is meant to expose them to technology and programming and open their eyes to just something new that they might not be getting in the curriculum at school. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Allison tells us how mentorship has played a vital role in getting her where she is today, and her belief that changing the stats on women in the tech field will require the help and support of men as well as women. Allison Abraham Simpkins on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Today we're chatting with Allison Abraham Simpkins, who is the Senior Vice President of North America and the Managing Director for Toronto at Valtech. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thanks, Bonnie. I'm so excited to be with you. So let's get started. Uh, let's start with maybe a bit of your background, how your career path ended up with you uh, being an executive at Valtech. Yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of fell into the tech industry um, by happenstance. I was uh, in the arts and culture industry for a little bit and then 
had a girlfriend who said, you got to come check this out. Tech was kind of hot in the, you know, it was about probably mid nineties and it was really hot. I was in Ottawa at the time. And she said, you need to come and check out this company. So the previous company I'd worked for, I went and started in a project management background. And then over the last 20 years, just kind of worked my way up to a, a previous role as president of the previous company and digital. And then now running as SVP of North America and managing director of our Toronto office for a global digital agency named Belltech. And so it kind of, it was a lot of hard work, but I got to a senior level that I'm really proud of. Women are underrepresented in the tech industry. As you came up through your career in the 90s and into the 2000s, did that present any types of challenges for you? Yeah, it was it was more daunting when I went to conferences. And I think that's what got me really passionate about now promoting women in technology. Because you go to conferences, and I'm going back to the early even mid 2000s, 2011, I remember going to a lot of different conferences and at, there was maybe a handful of women there. So, and there was not a single woman on stage, that's for sure. So it was kind of daunting, a little bit uh, intimidating. And so you felt like only a very small amount of us were kind of represented. And I was lucky because I worked in in a company that they really promoted me as a woman. Gender wasn't really a conversation. I sat uh, in the later start of my career before I became president of the company. I sat with four individuals, the three other who were men, and never once did I ever feel like I was the female at the table. Um, we didn't have a gender conversation. They never made me feel like it was a boys club and I was trying to break that glass ceiling. So I was very... I feel very lucky in that, but it also, having gone to the conferences and having been in the industry and talking to other people, it was so male dominated. I kind of knew that that was why we need to just start something like this. And we'll talk a little bit more of what this is, but we needed more women in the industry and why weren't there women in the industry? And so it's kind of been a passion of mine for the last year that I'm taking on. Let's talk a little bit about this because women are underrepresented in tech. What what is it that you're doing to help uh, help change that? For sure. So it it started about a year ago for me, and and like I said at the conferences, we were still we're in 2017, and we're still not seeing a lot of women on stage. I think I went to a conference, and there was one woman, and and a ton of men. And you know, it also I have a nine year old daughter, for instance, and I thought about what's the world that I want her to live in, and it's one where I hope we don't have a conversation about gender of any. CEO, VC, um, founder, board member, any of that. So it was kind of, I, I started getting introduced to some of the groups, um, and one of them being Move the Dial, uh, run by an amazing woman named Jody Kovitz, who actually is my inspiration. And she was a lawyer previously, didn't see a lot of gender equality um, issues, then got into tech. Um, and saw, had the same experience as I. And so she got a few influential people together um, to maybe start something, not knowing what that was, and had an overwhelming response. And I attended one of her evenings about a year ago, and I was just so moved by how this organization, now named Move the Dial, run by Jody. Uh, was really tackling the problem. And I think it's because we don't necessarily have a lot of women as role models in tech. We don't see, like there's the Sheryl Sandbergs of the world, but you don't see everyday women um, 
who are in marketing in many different aspects of tech, really standing out for younger generation, as well as my own generation to look up to and say, I want to do that. Move the Dial is an incredible organization. Jody's actually going to be a guest of ours. I was wondering, so what have you seen being part of that movement? Are you seeing change and and what is that looking like? I think we have a long way to go. I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, there's like 6% of of women who are on the executive or CEOs um, in Canada. Um, And these are Canadian statistics. And there's 13% of women who are on executive teams um, in technology. Then there's only about 8% that sit on boards of technology companies. So I think we we have a long way to go, but I really see a movement. I mean, in the past year, you've kind of watched um, a global movement around not just women in technology, but women in general, whether it's uh, the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, pay equality We've watched some high-profile people, um, male in gender, uh, whether it's in media or politics or Hollywood, kind of take a fall around this. And so there's this real empowerment lately that I've seen in the last year that kind of allows women to say, we're here, we're able, we belong, and we want a part of this. And we want to move that dial um, to make those numbers a little bit more um, equal for us um, because we work hard and we want that. I think that's a great segue. I wanted to talk a little bit about Tech Girl, something that your organization, Veltech, started. Can you tell us a bit about that and what you're doing there? Absolutely. So kind of spinning off of this, um, you know, I speak at a lot of uh, different areas in terms of women in technology and what we can do um, as us to promote it and mentorship and all those things. But Another thing that I'm really passionate about, and again, I spoke with my nine-year-old daughter, in order to help promote this and help kind of push women as role models to the next generation of, of our female leaders, we started something at Valtech called Tech Girl. And it actually started about four years ago out of our Sweden office, our, our office in Sweden. And, um, and then we brought it to North America back in June. And we had such an overwhelming response that it now is going to launch in every office in North America. um, And we're really Mm -hmm. excited about it. So Tech Girl is bringing 10 to 11 year olds into our offices, um, about 20 of them, just so they can have some hands-on mentorship. And we teach them things like Scratch and HTML, and they create a site, they create a blog, And it really just is meant to expose them to technology and programming and open their eyes to just something new that they might not be getting in the curriculum at school. And the response that we've had with Tech Girls um, from the girls themselves of just being able to say, I kind of thought boys did this. I didn't think I could code. I didn't think I could program. Um, And allowing them to see them kind of you know, empower them with those uh, tools, and they may take it some somewhere in their career. They may not, but exposing them to uh, that kind of I think is, is phenomenal. That's really awesome. It's such incredible work that your organization is doing because what you are doing is actually helping girls realize that they can do anything they want, and just by trying coding, you're opening their um, their minds to what what possibilities there are for them. So I think that's fantastic. Like I said, it's exposing the next generation to things. There's there's phenomenal societies that are starting and, and organizations that are starting around us. Toronto has one called the TKS, the Knowledge Society. And it's an incubation of 
um, it's, I think the ages are 13 to 17 of innovation and AI, blockchain, genome, like all of these things that you might not be exposed to in your regular school curriculum. And that's the, where we're going with the future. So small things that I think organizations like Valtech can do to expose these young people in our next generation, I think is hugely important. So Tech Girl, I love, I'm super passionate and, and the girls are super fun. We make it a, a really fun environment where, you know, they get a diploma at the end. There's cupcakes, there's giveaways, um, lots of breaks, lots of fun, lots of laughs. And, and it allows them just to, you know, learn, but also um, have a great afternoon. How about your mentors? Can we talk a little bit about the people that have helped you along your way? Yeah, I think uh, I think mentorship is is hugely important. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten to where I was if I didn't have mentorship and sponsorship for sure. And I think if you're in a privileged position to have to be a leader um, and you have that privilege, I think sharing that and empowering other women um, and I, I, I solely say women because we're talking about women in leadership, but it can be any gender, um, any age. But empowering people to kind of bring out the best in themselves and maybe even expose them to things that you see in them, but they might not see in themselves is hugely important. I went to a, a talk one time and this fabulous woman was up on stage uh, and she said she gave great advice. She said, you know what? Everyone needs a mentor to to get where they need to be. And sometimes it's little tidbits of advice. And she said, so if you see somebody, whether you're at a conference or you go to an event or you're networking and they, and they inspire you, reach out to them, regardless whether you know them or have a network surrounding them, reach out to them and ask them, can I take 30 minutes once a month for the next 12 months in a phone call and a coffee? And can I ask you questions to help put my intentions out there of where I want my career to go. And so it was really about set your intentions, have somebody to rely on that you you actually are inspired by, even if they're a stranger, but you're inspired by them and and start to move your career in that way and get them to be a mentor. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone saying no to somebody asking for somebody to be a mentor for them. You know, you're absolutely right. I uh, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone saying no when someone's asked them for some mentorship advice. So you talked a bit about mentorship. And of course, there's also sponsorship. And I just, I really want your opinion on an article that I saw this past summer. It was an article in the Globe and Mail about how some organizations, uh, because of the Me Too movement, are actually restricting men and women from meeting one-on-one. Uh, personally, I find that extremely frustrating and a backwards approach. Um, to me, to the Me Too movement, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I know exactly the article you're talking about, Bonnie, and, and yeah, I was kind of astounded by it. Um, this is not, to me, you know, unfortunately with the Me Too movement, you know, it, it's so controversial in terms of what is appropriate, what is not. And I, I'm a huge believer that in a company, especially, you know, as a leader building an organization of culture, you know, there is appropriateness and Eliminating meetings and not allowing people to um, determine what is appropriate or not. There are guidelines, but you are either appropriate or you're not appropriate. A meeting and, and action is takes place because of that. So it, for an organization to dictate, I find that a little bit, it's going a little over the top for my liking. I would never do that in my culture because I want a culture of collaboration regardless of gender. At, you know, it comes back to this is not a women's issue 
this is everyone's issue. This is everybody to take a look at themselves in the mirror and go, okay, what is appropriate in actions for myself? So, you know, something like that in the article takes it a little bit too far for me of what an organization's responsibilities are. There was an article um, also, I think it was the GM, um, the CEO of GM, and she put out something saying, you know, in my HR manual, I am going to, it was for dress code. I am putting two words, dress appropriately. HR kind of came back and went, hang on a second. We got to, we got to be able to say, you know, no t-shirts with sayings that say, you know, vulgar words or anything like that. And she went, no, this is how I run and I'm going to build culture and I run my organization dress appropriately. And if you have a team member that you know, that causes issue or you're having an issue with, talk to them, communicate with them, communicate with your team, communicate in a smaller scale. Um, but I thought that was very well put and it kind of dovetails back into what you're asking, Bonnie. It's like dress appropriately, act appropriately, check in on what your appropriateness is. As an executive, I'd be very interested to know what your perspective is on work-life balance. You have a daughter and a family and I know anyone that's passionate about their work, the lines between professional and personal really blend. So how do you keep time for yourself and for your family? Yeah, it's a great question. It's because I get asked it all the time. Um, I don't really know if I believe in there's a, there's a complete uh, formula to work-life balance. I believe in picking priorities. And if I am home with my kids, um, you know, they are the priority. And I think it dovetails, you know, when you pick the priorities, it's like, are you going to check your email? Are you, what are you doing at home? Is it taking away from your kids? What decision do I make? What cho- everything's a choice. Life is a choice. You can choose how to respond to many different things in life. And so I think it's about a choice in, in those priorities at that moment. Um, I know that I'm a big believer in motherhood made me actually a better leader. And so that's why it kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, motherhood is your parenting, is your crash course in patience, right? You need patience as a leader. Um, Parenting is also, you know, anybody who has a teenager knows uh, what comes out of their mouth. You cannot control that. And so your response to what they say um, very much can change how it's going to go down in the next few hours. And that's, you get that all the time at the office. Somebody comes into your office and you know, there's millions of dollars on the line or thousands of dollars on the line and you need to make a decision about something, the way you respond to that is going to change the outcome. Maybe that person will never come back in your office and ask your opinion. So you you really need to be um, able to roll with the punches, both in parenting and leadership. And, and I would also say um, in terms of uh, the mentorship and the ability and being present for people, uh, I want to be present for my kids. When they need me, I don't want to be on my cell phone and answering one more email, one more text. I make a conscious effort to be present when they, when we're with each other and vice versa. If somebody comes to my office and, you know, they're talking away with me and I'm staring at my computer and I don't even look up, you know, they're not being hurt. So I think parenting, motherhood, all of that, regardless of gender, there's an ebb and flow into just making priority calls. Um, and one, one can benefit the other. I'd love to ask you, if you could go back into time and be sitting across from a 20-year-old you, what kind of advice would you give yourself? 
gosh, I, I, I would do not that I would do anything different because I never have regrets in my life. But, um, you know, when you go back to that version of you at 20, let's say, and, and you look back and you think, just be brave. Don't try and be perfect. I think I would give myself that advice. Be brave, not perfect. Um, and we get so hung up on being something um, that maybe necessarily we're not. So if you can lead authentically, if you can live your life authentically and you're going to fall, I mean, but your greatest uh, mistakes are your biggest lessons in life. So allow yourself to fall and you get back up and you try it again. And so I, I think being brave and not having this stigma of having to get it right all the time. I tell my 20 year old self that and I'd, I'd probably mess up maybe a little bit more, but I probably would learn some great lessons along the way. Allison, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been such a great conversation, and we're just delighted to have you as a guest on Run It Like a Girl. So thank you. Bonnie, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, after working in the tech industry, Delane Cooper decided to try her hand at something more creative. She's been a goldsmith now for 14 years. Delane is also the driving force behind the Lotus Hero Project, directed towards victims of childhood sexual abuse. She talks about her project, My Story, The Story of Many, and the book that spawned from it. Delane Cooper on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.